Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb and as always I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you doing this week, sir? I'm doing well, but Cade... We need to throw it back to you. You've got some. You've got some big news. Some personal news. Uh, I we had a baby. It, we've talked woo. about it. Yeah, it is a woo. Uh, my second daughter was born on Saturday, uh, middle of the night, two forty a.m. Uh, after a surprise, you know, uh, uh, labor. We didn't know it was coming. We weren't induced or anything like that. So. Friday afternoon was a mad dash to the hospital, and uh, my daughter Claire was born on Saturday morning, and uh, she's doing great. She's actually kind of like the complete opposite of my first daughter. She sleeps, <laughs> and she's very quiet. She's a super chill baby so far. We are only like 84 hours into this thing, so I won't jinx it. We're knocking on wood, but uh, mama's healthy, and everybody's good over here, man. So yeah, thanks for thanks for talking about it. I don't know what this says about you and I as people. But when my daughter was born on a Saturday, we recorded that Tuesday. And when your daughter was born on a Saturday, we recorded that Tuesday. So either we're dedicated to the podcast game or we're bad fathers, or I don't know how to take it exactly, Gabe. Or there's some sort of screw loose somewhere for you and I that is the (laughs) same, you know, thread. I don't know, but that's wild. I didn't even... Well, that too, that obviously helps is that I genuinely enjoy getting to talk to you, but I didn't even think about that. Uh, I didn't realize your daughter was born on a Saturday. That's, that's, yeah, fantastic. it was the Can- OSU Kansas game. So my, Saturday. my first daughter was born during the OSU Texas Tech game, which was, uh, back in 2019 and Spencer Sanders threw like four picks. It was a terrible game, but, uh, so are we three Saturdays between our three yeah, children? All yeah, Saturday absolutely. Birds? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, and it's it's super cool and a little bit surreal bringing the second one home to the first one. Uh, I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll just say it right now. My my oldest has been far more difficult than the youngest uh, from a crying and emotional perspective. I mean, you would think that the three-year-old was just born the way she's acting, but she's doing great. It's a lot of emotions over here. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's been quite the uh, whirlwind, but we're, we're very blessed. So that's awesome. And shout out to your wife, Ashlyn. She's awesome. Glad she's recovering well. Obviously, you're your older daughter, I'm sure she'll. I'm sure she'll get back on track with everything. I know you sent me some really cute pictures of them too. Oh, yeah. So, just wanted to say congrats to you guys. I know we don't normally spend a ton of time on personal stuff at the beginning of the pods, but definitely wanted to shout you out because that's awesome. No, and say congrats to your fam. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. It really has been cool. I mean, my 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 oldest the other day, she was holding uh, my youngest Claire, and she looked at me and said please don't sit next to me. I need some space with Claire. So just to give you any perspective into how things are going, it's like, Hey, 
you don't get to make that call right now, young lady. So <laughs> it's it's all good. It's a blast. And uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll we'll continue to talk about it. And and uh, I mean, you can always follow me on Twitter because I'll I'll give you the the latest of what's going on, which one it thing is a Dustin, great follow on Twitter. <laughs> one thing I'll say, and, and this is not a paid ad. We bought a Duna stroller slash car seat. I am a raving fan. Again, not paid. That is a fantastic investment for anybody who's either having kids or has already had kids and having another one. Get the Duna. It'll change your life. I mean, we could, if they wanted to, we would take the payment and we would advertise them because technically we're a father of three combined. So (laughs) we could definitely use it. You and I have three kids together. So absolutely (laughs) could do this. It's not wrong. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, Dustin. I appreciate it. Let's get into it, though. I know we've got some football news to get to, some basketball transfer portal. Let's let's go ahead and get right into it. So, Kate, I finally th- – oh, I did want to mention real quick, we don't have to really talk about this, but the Cowboys versus Cancer golf tournament was yesterday, so Monday, May 15th. Colin Oliver, Kendall Daniels, Britton Presley, and Preston Wilson were all there. Awesome cause. I think it's put on by the Eddie Sutton Foundation. So just wanted to shout those guys out. I know it was probably not the best weather to play golf in. I, I heard that Preston Wilson was golfing in cowboy boots. So that's pretty awesome. I'm sure that worked well with the soaking wet ground, but just an awesome event they put on. I don't have a ton of details from it. I obviously wasn't there. Just wanted to kind of shout them out because it's obviously obviously for a great cause and shout out to those four guys for participating. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's And especially shout out to Preston Wilson for being a real one in the cowboy booth. That's outstanding. <laughs> It sounds like Kendall Daniels had a uh, had a nice shot. I don't I don't think they played very many holes, but it sounded like he had a nice shot on one do, hole. So do they cool. play that out? At, I'm sorry if you said it again. I'm running on some pretty light sleep here. Did you say that was that Karsten? It usually yeah, is, right? Yeah, I believe I believe it was. I didn't double check that in my notes, but I'm almost positive it was because I heard I think it was Robert Allen on the radio say that Dave Hunziker was explaining to everyone, please cart paths only. <laughs> yeah no kidding this is not the day to not heed the advice of your local starter that's that's yeah. outstanding so um along with that kid finally found out this is per robert allen he actually gave us some info on this who the player was that's no longer on the team that they're going to be getting the scholarship back from that is running back deandre jackson the former texas a&m transfer saw him in some limited action he had the eligibility issues last year so he wasn't able to play i know they were hoping he would be a part of the offense and then with that eligibility setback with him not really being able to practice and get reps because as gundy said last year he didn't know when he was going to be able to play because of the holdup. It looks like with Elijah Collins coming in, he's maybe fallen to fourth on the depth chart. And with the offseason that Jaden Nixon had, we talked about him a lot. Ollie Gordon's still coming on strong from his true freshman season. DeAndre Jackson has decided, I don't think this has been officially released, but I did confirm it with Robert Allen that he is no longer on the team. So that would open up a scholarship spot. Kate, with Elijah Collins coming in, I'm not as worried about this. You and I, I don't even think said DeAndre Jackson's name at all this right. offseason. Are you concerned at all? No, I think you just nailed it with that last line there. I mean, we've we've talked about three guys, really, right? Elijah Collins, Ollie Gordon, and Jaden Nixon. Really trying to figure out a way to get Jaden Nixon involved more in the passing game we've talked about because he needs to get the ball. 
it does not concern me. And some of the the dots start to line up after you know we figured this out and have heard that DeAndre is no longer on the team. So not a not a killer, and maybe not even a surprise, really. I mean, the Bursar balance thing was a little bit of a red flag last year, was it not? <laughs> Yeah, that was a whole weird deal. And Gundy was giving like no information on it. So it just seemed normally he'll set like he'll call the other school out, you know, on what's right. going on. But he wasn't really getting too in detail. So I'm not sure what exactly was going on there. Like you said, we heard it was a Bursar thing, but whose end was that yeah. really on? It just sounded a little weird. But all the best to DeAndre. I know he was a guy that when kind of some of the players were entering the transfer portal, he took to Twitter kind of backing up the team, backing up yeah. coach Gundy. So it, it sucks to see him go, but from an on-field standpoint, like you said, just now, not really super worried about it. And with that scholarship, the Cowboys are already taking some action. They had Alton McCaskill, Houston running back into visit. He had 961 yards in 2021, 5.1 yards per carry. 16 TDs and then another 113 yards receiving and two TDs. He didn't play all that last year because he had a really bad knee injury. My understanding is he came on a visit. I believe, I don't think he had his whole family. I think it was just him and his uncle. Sounded like they're looking for an NIL deal and Oklahoma State probably isn't going to be the place he ends up. He's on a visit right now in Boulder at Colorado with Coach Prime. Sounds like that's where he's going to land. But, Cade, what I wanted to ask you, and I wanted to get your take on McCaskill as well, but I just wanted to throw that out there that it sounds like the Cowboys aren't getting him. They went running back on official visit right after losing the running back. But if you were going to take this scholarship, where you personally, Cade Webb, father of two, where would you use it? Yeah, we've talked about this, and I, I not necessarily in this exact scenario, but if I had one position of need – I, I I know where you stand, so I'll take what I, I still believe this. Offensive line is, you know, if you could get somebody that's starting, you know, if if you could get somebody that fits in the top seven or eight of your depth chart out of the transfer portal, I would do it on the offensive line because I think your starting depth is there. I get a little bit concerned about what happens beneath that because as we've seen, injuries can pile up. Um, I would still go offensive line, but some of that is just like over-prepared to over-prepare in, in my, in my scenario. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I think where I'm at with it is if you were to get a guy like McCaskill, a thousand yard rusher, maybe not one coming off as bad in the injury as he was, it sounds like some people, the reason why he maybe hasn't committed somewhere yet and why he hasn't landed the big NIL deal and maybe why he's looking for one is people aren't 100% sure how he's going to recover from that knee injury. Yeah, That's I mean, how bad it was. Coming so, out of the portal that way, it's a big deal. Yeah, no, completely agree. So kind of where I'm at, if you were able to get a 1,000-yard rushing running back, like a guy who you think is better than everybody else on the roster, because you know when I was at practice and what we've heard, no one's really kind of rose above as the number one guy at running back great things about all three but if you were if you could go get a number one guy maybe do that i like where your head's at with offensive line some other positions i would maybe look at one that i talked about after practice the linebacker position yeah. i think they have five guys that they like but you're running three guys out there at once now so five isn't a too deep <laughs> i think that's a good point and, and not not so much that they don't like the other guys, but I think Martin, Benson, Oliver, Wright, Robertson are the five guys they feel comfortable with. And then you, lo 
you and I like Donnie Stevens, you and I like Gabe Brown, but those are pretty inexperienced guys. If you were able to get a linebacker that was experienced, but was okay with being in kind of a six man rotation, still getting quite a few snaps in a game. And you're able to keep these guys fresh and kind of run a first and second line out there. I would love to see that. And then always, I think if you could get a really solid, another defensive lineman, even though you've gone down to three, we talked about how the depth there still probably could use some more experience of guys that have played at the D1 Power 5 level. So if you were able to get a guy like that, but personally, I would probably go offensive line or linebacker and then running back or defensive line yeah, I mean, down the list from that. What does it say about you and I and the state of, you know, not necessarily Oklahoma State's program, but you and I know it takes a front seven on the defensive side and a good offensive line to win a conference championship. And yeah. that's the difference between winning one and not winning one. We saw that in 2021. So um, I, I definitely agree with you. If I'm not on the offensive line, I'm going right to where you went with linebacker or defensive line. No question. Yeah, I think linebacker one or sorry, offensive line one, linebacker two. And then a little bit farther down the rungs, I'd probably go running back and defensive line. Because if you're just going to get a running back who's a guy that had the performance at another school like Elijah Collins, which is really good performance two years ago, and then kind of a step down last year after coming off some of the injuries and the COVID stuff with him. But if, it, if it's just another running back who's going to take carries and not a guy that's a true number one, I think you focus on offensive line or linebacker. Yeah, I, I'm with you totally. And again, it's kind of like the Sean Tyler thing from Western Michigan is kind of a bummer because you would have had this kind 100%. of settled, no no question. And I think he could have been your RB1 potentially. So that's a bummer kind of looking back on this. That's actually a great point. I, I kind of forgot about Sean Tyler. Yeah, that's I mean, he was committed that, out of the portal. Yeah, that's the Western Michigan, for, as a reminder, that's the Western Michigan running back who committed to Oklahoma State, be committed, committed elsewhere. So it's tough to lose a guy like that who you're right, maybe would have been that clear-cut RB1. So we'll kind of see how it goes. I, I'm thinking they'll probably just take a depth piece at a position, and it won't be a huge splash out of the portal. But again, McCaskill would have been a pretty big splash. So we'll kind of see how that goes. We'll keep you updated on anything we hear. I haven't heard of any more visits on portal guys coming up. I know all the coaches are out on the road recruiting. So we'll kind of see maybe if it bleeds into June before they kind of get a guy out of the portal. I just don't know if they're, I mean, you would think that they'll fill that final spot, but I don't know if it'll be with just anybody, you know, I think they'll probably take somebody that's ready to go. You can also give a scholarship. I, I, I wouldn't do, this isn't what I would do, but they could also give a scholarship to a walk on already on the roster. That's always, you could always scenario. do that. They have done it once already with, with cabinets. So maybe, maybe they have somebody they feel really good about. I know that there's been a lot of positive talk about Constantino Borelli, the linebacker oh, who's yeah. a walk on. He also has a sick name. We actually saw him getting some games last year. Maybe that's a name to watch. I haven't heard anything, just a name I thought of off the top of my head. So, um, yeah, that, okay, that's all I really have on Oklahoma State kind of offseason football news. Did you want to get into some NFL talk real quick? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, so a couple of former Oklahoma State guys that have graduated several years ago. have. There's some news. We talked about Trey Flowers signing with the Falcons. James Washington has signed a one-year deal with the Saints. Mason Rudolph is going to be back with the Steelers. And then Tyron Johnson, former Oklahoma State and LSU wide receiver, was cut this week by the 49ers. So he's out there. Marcel Aitman, 
is still out there. You know, he was with the Battle Hawks, the St. Louis Battle Hawks in the XFL, had a pretty good season. Maybe you see him get picked up by an NFL team. But that's kind of, Kate, any of that shocking? I mean, I think James Washington, it'd be great to see him get a chance. We know he had the injury issues when he signed after he signed with the Cowboys. Don't love Mason Rudolph going back to the Steelers, but I guess they're comfortable with him it's- as kind of their third guy. Yeah, I mean, well, number one, congratulations to you, James Washington, going to your New Orleans Saints. You love to see yes. that. Um, <laughs> but I, I want Mason Rudolph to get a shot somewhere, and it doesn't seem like Pittsburgh is willing to do that for him. I, I'm trying to look around. Like, could you land at a, I don't know, like a, 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 a sleeper team that's really got no shot but put some good film on tape for one year? Or like I don't, the Buccaneers that don't well, I was, have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking maybe somebody like them that would be fantastic for him. Yeah. So interesting stuff. Like like we said, we'll keep you locked in. Kate and I try to troll Twitter for any NFL news. It's a little bit harder because normally we're not following these guys, and you kind of have to search right. <laughs> search for the Oklahoma <laughs> State guys. So, uh, but hey, we're here to put in the work. We're here to put in the yeah, work. Yeah, and and hey, if you guys want to aggregate that for us and and DM it to us when you see it, that would also be fine. Yeah. So then we don't have to take more time away from our uh, newborn. <laughs> I have two kids so. now. <laughs> Uh, with the guys who recently graduated or were drafted from Oklahoma State. So the Los Angeles Rams didn't have an organized rookie minicamp. So no, no news really from Jason Taylor II or kicker Tanner Brown. But out of Jacksonville, Tyler Lacey has signed with the Jaguars. I've seen it four years, $4.5 million. I saw a, a little bit lower number in another place I looked. They don't always give all the details on the Jaguars official site, but he is officially signed. And I've seen four years, 4.5 million total value on that. So that's pretty cool to see Lacey get that deal inked. I mean, I I think, I think he's going to be a guy that you maybe see sticking around the NFL for a little while. Yeah. I, I think so too. The, as high as he went in the draft feels like they saw something that they liked you and I maybe had him even a little bit later in the draft. So yeah, I agree with you, Dustin. I think he should be able to stick around. I mean, fourth, fourth round picks stick around. That's kind of the goal, right? Agreed. Yeah. Uh, after that, Lamont Bishop, I have, I did see on Seahawks Twitter that he maybe hasn't signed yet and he's more of a tryout guy, which makes sense. This is a guy who ran out of eligibility at Oklahoma state and he didn't get to play a ton last year. We did see him in the mix. So kind of keep an eye on him and see if he ends up inking a deal with the Seahawks or whether he's practice squad or what looking at the Broncos and Sionia C I haven't seen much on him with the Cardinals and Matt Himbro again not a ton there besides the fact that he's been signed by the Cardinals which we mentioned that last week looks like he's going to wear number 39 I did see that and in the last note I have Kate I didn't see much on Brock Martin but Braden Johnson he signed the three-year 2.7 million dollar deal with the Buffalo Bills and their fans are pumped about Braden Johnson. And it seems to solely be around the fact that he ran a four, four and four, three, eight 40 at the pro day. I mean, it would have to be, and I'm not going to knock anybody. That's fantastic. I mean, go get that check. If you can get it three years, 2.7 million. That's fantastic. But I mean, you and I have seen him. There were some really, really frustrating moments, especially late in his career. So, um, you love speed in the NFL. If you can hand the ball to him, that's great. Anything underneath will work, but I don't, I don't know about that. 
Yeah, I agree. Okay, that's kind of the NFL update. You want to move on to recruiting before we hit basketball? I would love to. Awesome. So just a couple quick schedule notes. I doubt there's going to be any visitors coming in until later this month. So maybe next week we have some news on that, but it might be end of May, beginning of June. The mini camps begin on Sunday, June 4th, and there's the youth camp on June 5th. Specialist camp is June 6th. And then Tuesday, June 13th, that's going to be when the official visits start. So you could get some unofficial visitors before that, like I just mentioned, but that's kind of the schedule moving forward. The coaches are all on the road, like I said. So we'll be hearing some news about them visiting different schools. You'll probably see that on Twitter when the schools kind of tweet out which coach was there and thank, thanking them for coming. Okay, the first note I wanted to hit before we get into some offers, Gage Gundy, head coach Mike Gundy's youngest son, has decided to kind of focus on baseball after high school. This is a guy who, a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit better arm, maybe a little bit better of a quarterback prospect than his older brother, Gunner Gundy was. So a little bit surprising that, are, are you surprised at all he's going to focus on baseball? He's a really, really good baseball player. I just thought with him being a little bit more of maybe a prototypical power five quarterback right. prospect than Gunner, you'd see him try out the football route. Well, we, we've talked about him as probably the better of the two Gundy quarterbacks. Um, and and I had always just kind of assumed him as the shoe-in to be the next Gundy quarterback at Oklahoma State. But, I mean, if I'll, I'll be honest, getting a baseball contract, if you can make it to the majors and get a contract, that might be the way to do it. There's there's 32 starting NFL quarterback positions. There's there's more checks being written than baseball. So um, I don't blame him for doing that at all. Yeah, Pokes Report actually reported that he worked out with the Chicago White Sox last Saturday. I think he's going to try. So it must have gone prep. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to try to prep for the MLB draft. And it sounds like if he doesn't, so like if, if it doesn't get a good draft spot or doesn't get drafted, which I'm assuming he'll get drafted, just might be in one of those later millions of rounds that they have in the baseball draft, <laughs> that he's planning on attending IMG Academy in Bradenton, oh, wow. Florida, and doing their postgraduate baseball program. And the reason why he said he's doing that is in order to maintain his collegiate eligibility, just in case he wants to pull a Brandon Whedon and come back and play football. So pretty cool. We'll definitely oh, be wow. keeping an eye on him. This is a guy that... That bat 457 on the season with a 531 on base percentage, 16 home runs, and 63 RBIs. They list him at 6'4, 215. So this is just yeah. a monster human being that crushes baseballs. Yeah, maybe pursue baseball with that with those numbers in your senior year <laughs> of high school. Maybe try it out. I get it. <laughs> but look, hey, Kate, if I had to bet money on it, maybe you see him, maybe you see him come back to Oklahoma State as a 25-year-old former. God. minor league dropout how cool would that be just complete the circle that is the way mike gundy goes out as well with the same way that he basically cemented himself as as the greatest coach in the history of osu football bring the exact same type of quarterback in with the same story but it's your son be, this time it would be wild i do expect him to be a, a good baseball player though so I, you, I think he could end up making it to the majors yeah, do you think that was Mike like steering Gage? Like, hey, look at what Whedon did. I mean, you can go do that. You think it was like that? That's the plan. He's yeah. like, I want you to try baseball, but I know you're not going to succeed, and then you'll come back and play football. Yeah, call up. Hey, hey, Brandon, tell tell Gage exactly how that went for you. <laughs> I do like that idea, and I definitely think Mike Gundy 
could have something like that up his sleeve. So yeah, I think um, you're right. On to actual Oklahoma State recruits. It, although we did want to mention that Gunner Gunner Gundy or Gage Gundy news. Sorry, offers going out to 2024 guys. You've got Tameric Johnson, the 2024 Edge, 6'4", 205 pounds from Midlothian Heritage in Midlothian, Texas. He's not rated right now on 247. We've talked about that high school a lot. Oklahoma State has recruited there a lot in the past. This is a guy who I think Joe Bob Clements wants to maybe play linebacker. He's kind of lined up all over the place at the edge, at linebacker. He had 32. He only played in eight games last year, 32 tackles, six for loss, and a team high three and a half sacks to go along with nine quarterback hurries. Heritage finished 11 and two in advance to the third round of the 5A playoffs. He holds offers from Air Force, Arkansas State, Army, Boise State, Cal, Houston, Kansas, Nebraska, Oregon State, to name a few. And I, I think this is an interesting guy. He's someone that you can kind of play all over. Maybe even somebody you throw back there as a Kendall Daniels-type rover. Kate, I don't know if you've watched much on Tameric Johnson, but I like him. I think he's a little under the radar right now and definitely think it's somebody Oklahoma State can land. Well, I love the name. At first, I thought you said turmeric, but I had already seen the name, so I knew that's not what you said. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get a guy that appears to have some flexibility at that level, translated to this level, that's that's awesome. Sounds like an intriguing prospect for sure. They're going after another guy like this in Jonathan Ag- Agumadu. He's 2024 edge, 6'2", 220 from McKinney High School in McKinney, Texas. Another not-rated guy. He... This past season had 48 total tackles, 23 of which were solo and three tackles for loss, 19 quarterback hurries and four and a half sacks. He also had three pass breakups and two blocked field goals. So just kind of all over the place. There's a lot of power five teams watching Agumadu, but not a ton of them have made offers yet. He's only got offers right now from Arkansas State, Missouri, Montana State, North Texas, and UNLV. So another guy that Oklahoma State is getting in on early. And he previously was at Pierce High School before transferring to McKinney. They went four and six in 2022. That's an Adam Lunt special right there. It really is, right? I mean, that that's the diamond in the rough type of prospect. And then the last one, another guy on the defensive side of the ball, Gunner Wilson. I'm sure Mike Gundy, when he saw the name Gunner, was down for this recruit. 2024 linebacker, 6'2", 210 pounds from Melissa High School in Melissa, Texas. Another not-rated guy. Interesting note about him. Could help Oklahoma State's recruiting chances. His sister goes to Oklahoma State already. So that's pretty cool that he already has that connection there. Joe Bob Clements, it sounds like he really likes this guy from what Pope's Report is reporting. He won the Texas Sports Writers Associated in All-State Honors and uh, sorry, as a tight end, but Oklahoma State is actually recruiting him as a linebacker, super big time athlete. Melissa's 5A in Texas. So another interesting guy to watch. He was injured last season, so doesn't have a ton of great stats. He's got offers from Bowling Green, Toledo, Army, Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Monroe, North Texas, UTSA. So Oklahoma State, another one of the first kind of big schools to get in on him. All three of these recruits are kind of similar in that manner. So we'll kind yeah, of watch absolutely. them. But out of the three, I like Gunnar Wilson a lot. Dude's a freak athlete. Like I said, was a really good tight end. And they're recruiting him at linebacker. Just kind of goes to show you his versatility. So we'll kind of keep an eye. Kate and I will keep an eye on that and let you know how those progress. 
Yeah, love it. Dustin, thank you as always for that recruiting breakdown. It's interesting to see where Oklahoma State's looking. Again, they continue to pan for gold. I think that's, you could print a shirt and, and put Mike Gundy's face on and you'd know what you're talking about there. All right, let's get to basketball. But before we do that, we'll take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the curse of cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. And when you use our promo code FEELS12, you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the feels like 45 podcast. All right, Dustin, welcome back. Uh, a little bit busier week in the transfer portal for Oklahoma state. A couple of newsworthy items, if you will. There was some maybe hope. You and I kind of talked about this last week on the podcast that Musa Cisse, he hung out in the portal for several weeks, had entered, and you hadn't really heard much, and you thought maybe there was a chance that he'd come back to Oklahoma State. That ends up not happening, and he goes to Ole Miss, a team that Oklahoma State beat by almost 20, I think it was, in Stillwater this last year. And uh, I think you can point to three letters as to why that was the case for for uh, Musa. And uh, it's unfortunate for Oklahoma State because he literally would have filled a, a position of great need for them and they could have focused elsewhere. But uh, Dustin, your, your thoughts on Musa going to Ole Miss? Yeah, he's joining former Big 12 coach Chris Beard at Ole Miss. This is where he was linked kind of at the beginning of the portal process, correct? And it sounded like that's there was right. some eligibility issues i'm not sure how those got cleared up but he's definitely gonna have to apply for a waiver just like woody newton is going to as their two-time transfers and they haven't graduated yet so it's it's very interesting to me I, i'm gonna be interested to see how that plays out with cse i'm sure there's gonna they'll figure out a way to get it granted yeah, but it just kind of is if they're gonna let anything like this fly it kind of makes the transfer portal even more chaotic so it's it's tough to see I, I would have loved to have Cisse back but like you said it sounds like he was looking for that big NIL deal and Ole Miss was able to kind of satisfy that need well yeah and and you you kind of hit on the bigger point to me Musa Cisse has transferred once before now you are not supposed to be able to do that more than once without sitting out now of course these waivers are being handed out really to anybody that asks for them and even in this case, Musa could apply for a waiver and would likely get it. But I don't see how, you know, I look at two guys, Lamont Bishop and uh, Russell Harrison, two guys that the NCAA has come to Oklahoma State and said, no, you are out of eligibility. You cannot applied for a waiver and it's denied. This is a case where Musa Cisse probably will get it approved and there will be really no good reason as to why. Um and it's just one of those things. I, I don't I don't think the NCAA is any longer in a position of enforcement on this. I honestly don't see how they can tell anybody what they can do, um, much less, you know, about a waiver about a, at a school that you want to play at. So 
Dustin, it's just kind of a mess to me, and I, I don't see any other way around it right now. But um, it's unfortunate because, again, Musa, again, there was some rumblings, maybe some chance that he came back. And, uh, again, he would have filled a position of need. So Cowboys are going to have to look elsewhere for some forward depth. Yeah, and like you said, I still think they need to look for another big man. Yeah, throw out the roster, Whether that be the stretch four you and I talked about, whether that be – you know, just whatever. I think they just need some more depth at the four and five position, but they did add some depth at the guard spot. Cade, can you tell us a little bit about this new commit? Yeah. So this one is interesting and, and it continues to be a similar type of player that Mike Boynton is pulling out of the portal. Look at Caleb Asbury from Texas state. Um, I can't remember. I think uh, Russell Harrison would have been uh, UL Monroe last year. Yeah. M- Mike Boynton goes to kind of that group of six uh, or even below level. I mean, John Michael Wright high point is a great example of this too. Jarius Hicklin is from North Florida and previously before that, from Oklahoma Baptist. Now a 37-ish percent three-point shooter last year played a lot of minutes for them. And I think Dustin is probably a better option. Here's how I kind of maybe talked some family members off the ledge about this, this particular get <laughs> is an upgrade over some of the bench that you had this previous year. I mean, Chris Harris, all due respect, that was not a good situation. Jarius has shown the ability to handle the ball and shoot it well and play a lot of minutes with those two things. Uh, I, I like this get overall. You, you've got to have depth. Oklahoma State was down to what? Six scholarship guys, seven scholarship guys. This is a good depth piece. I don't think he's your starter, but I think he'll play and I think he'll play well at times. Yeah, and he's kind of a guy that can do a bunch of different things. Now I haven't right. dove into his film completely, but I've watched several highlight videos, which I know you got to take with a grain of salt. I love his shooting form. It's a pretty shot. He can create for himself. He can catch and shoot in his highlight reels. He's in a ton of pick and roll situations, Mm -hmm. both as a scorer and as a passer off the pick and roll, which is great because we know Mike Boynton likes to incorporate the pick and roll into his offense. You're going to have Garrison. You're going to have Mike Marsh in there that can do things like that, even in Eric Daly. So it's pretty awesome. Like you said, 36% last year from three on over seven attempts, 40% 40% the year before on over seven, seven attempts. And in his two seasons at OBU, he shot 45 and 42%. So this is obviously a guy that can shoot it from good distance. shooter. Like, yeah. Like I said, his, his mechanics on his shot are great. The thing that stands out to me last year from North Florida, Kate is 3.2 assists. That's not a number to scoff at. He does turn the ball over at, you know, not at a super high clip, but he does turn the ball over. But the 3.2 assist is better than getting a guy out there with the, you know, we've seen some of the guys Oklahoma State's were shown interest in that are guards who have these high scoring averages with one assist a game. So it's great to have a guy that we know can pass a little bit. He's got a good free throw percentage, looks to be able to play on the defensive end a little bit with over a steal a game last season. So he seems like kind of a do it all type guard. Again, I, I don't think you want Jerry's Hicklin to start for you because it's a guy coming from North Florida and Oklahoma Baptist. You got to kind of see how he's going to compete at this level, but he's played well against power five competition, 19 points against Washington, 17 against Kentucky, 15 against Pitt. So we know he can play. And I think he's a great guy off the bench. And to your point, when you were talking about talking people off the ledge, I think it is an upgrade over a guy like Chris Harris or some of these guards that were getting minutes last even season. Even Woody Newton, even Woody Newton, who yeah. they were trying to make a four. I, I think this is an upgrade immediately. And again, I 
I think you've looked look at like Texas. There, there are guys that that were playing meaningful minutes for them that were, you know, they're not Kentucky transfers. That it is okay to go down into the group of six level and pull out one of the best players from that level. I don't think Jerry Sicklin is one of the best, but I think he can compete. And I love that you kind of mentioned how he's done against power five schools. Cause that's usually where is, is the proof in the pudding. In this case, I think it is. If you could get 10 points out of him off the bench per game, you would take it in a heartbeat. Oh, hundred percent. And I think so with the two scholarships left and obviously they could take the infraction. You and I both think, if Mike Boynton sees two players he likes, he's probably going to try to take him because the seat's getting a little warm. I'm what panicking think, if he doesn't take two. Do you think stretch four in another guard that can maybe play a two-three, a two or a three spot? I actually think you need a five really badly because I think Mike Marsh is a good – he's kind of a tweener. Um, he's offensively very gifted. Defensively, I think – leaves you some to be desired. And I don't think Brandon Garrison is going to come in and be able to do what you want him to do physically in this conference day one. I do not expect that. So I have concerns about Oklahoma State's depth at the center spot. And then I do agree with you, Dustin. I would probably look for, I'd probably look for either a three or a a one, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, another another kind of true point yeah. guard type player. You've got small, but yes, it'd be yeah. great to have it'd be great to have another ball handler creator like that. That's and, and John Michael Wright can do that, but I think the reason I'm I'm maybe looking elsewhere is and and they won't do this, but I'm just looking critically at the roster. John Michael Wright for much of the year was asked to be the one and it did not go well. So if you can guarantee that Javon small is going to be your starting point guard next year, that's great. But John Michael Wright has showed a lot of times an inability to get the ball into the offense. It was, it was a problem. So we'll see how it goes, Dustin, but definitely I think a three and a five is where I would look. Yeah. And then along with that Warren Washington, who we thought Oklahoma state was probably in the mix for, Arizona State big man, he has committed to Texas Tech. So basically, Cade, I think that anyone that commits now is going to be someone that another surprise, like a Marsh or a Hicklin. You know, we heard a little bit of rumors about Hicklin right before he committed, yeah. but Marsh was kind of out of nowhere. I'm not, I, I don't know if we're going to have, it's, I think it might be another thing like that where we don't hear anything yeah. about them until they commit. No, I think I think you're right, and I I still continue to say, look at the draft. If there are guys that are going to be forced to come back, the landing spots are fewer and far between than they once were. So I think Oklahoma State's going to have something attractive to offer somebody, and especially if it's at one of those positions. I I, I don't think they want Mike Marsh playing 35 minutes a game. I can promise you they don't. Agreed. Kate, I think I think that's it on basketball. Unbelievable, Dustin. Let's get to baseball. All right. So baseball, K-State, you and I said they probably they probably need to sweep the series, both series, to have a real shot at controlling their own destiny to win the Big 12 regular season. You and I both thought they would go 2-1 and one against K-State. And K, they did, and they got really close to the sweep. The Friday night game was a little wacky, but they could have won it. They lose 10-9. Nolan Schubert collects his 15th multi-hit game of the season, going four for five with a home run and four RBIs, while Chase Atkinson went two for four and drove in a pair of runs. Jerron Rutz-Brown, 
can he threw some good pitches, but I don't know how much of the game you got to watch, but he threw some pitches that missed the catcher and batter completely. So it's just, he's done that outside of a few really, really good starts. He's had this kind of moments of inconsistency where he just loses control. They walk too many guys. They put too many guys on base. Isaac Stebbins came out of the bullpen and he did pretty well. They end up losing the game though, not for lack of trying on the offensive end. Then in game two, they dominate 19 to five, 19 runs on the day, marked their most first K state since playing 23 against them in 1997. So that was pretty awesome. Eight Cowboys collected RBIs in the game. Atkinson led the charge with four Riggio and Mendham finished with three RBIs on the day. And then six players tallied multi-hits with Tyler Wolfert going four for four on the day. Faden Root has been, was again awesome out of the bullpen. So that was really awesome for them there. And then a run rule victory, 12 to two on Sunday. Carson Binge gave a great, that's what you need from an Oklahoma State starter, which, what Carson Binge did on Sunday. And then Atkinson and Mindham had uh, two RBIs on the day. Schubert and Marcus Brown also drove in multiple runs. Schubert had a big three-run home run. Stevens came in to secure the win in that shorter-than-normal game. Kid, what were your thoughts on the series? I, I mean, the bats are literally that on was fire it. right now. That was it, and I think it can propel them into a situation where against an OU team that we've already seen Oklahoma State put some up some runs against this year, I, I think you can win that series with your bats alone. And it's not a, I don't think a championship winning strategy down the line, but it literally could help you win the big 12 championship in Norman this weekend. If you were able to sweep that series and get something else to happen for you. So no, Dustin, I thought that they were going to get the one on Friday. I thought they were going to come back there in the bottom of the ninth and get that one. So a little bit of a bummer. I'll be honest, though. I was not watching it. My wife was in the midst of labor. So I caught the, <laughs> yeah, I caught, I <laughs> I caught the notification around 4 a.m. on Saturday morning. So no big deal. <laughs> hey, let me throw some numbers out at you. So uh, one of these, actually, Kevin Clintworth, uh, Associate AD for Oklahoma State, tweeted out, Oklahoma State... 12 and two in their last 14, 12.2 runs per game. So after seeing that, I went and looked and calculated the batting average in those 14 games, 349. That would be be 11 points higher than the number one batting average in the nation right now, which is 338. Their 310 average now has them ranked 20th in batting average. Kate, a couple of weeks ago, I think I said they were like 60th, maybe 56th in batting average. They're yeah. 20th now. They're 29th in on base and 15th in home runs. So they're in the top 30 in three major statistics there on offense. The ERA and the whip is still high, 86th in whip, 97th in ERA, but 28th in strike to strikeout to walk ratio and 27th in fielding. This team is Clicking at the right time, they've jumped back into D1 baseball's rankings at the number 25 spot. They're 21 in RPI. You mentioned what they'd have to do to go and win the Big 12 regular season. They need to sweep OU, and they need Texas to sweep West Virginia. That's pretty unlikely, but I think you yeah. need to at least get the two get the two wins against OU, win the series. That'll cement your spot in second place, even if Texas were to sweep West Virginia, you hold the tiebreaker over Texas. You hold the tiebreaker over K-State, who are both the game back right now of Oklahoma State. So if you just go out and win the series against OU, get the two seed, win a couple ba- games in the Big 12 tournament, I think 
I know the NCAA wants O'Brate to host a regional. I think if you do what I just said, two two games in the OU series, win a couple games in Arlington, I think you're hosting a regional. Which is at at we said this at the beginning of the season. That's the baseline expectation is that Oklahoma State hosts a regional, right? Granted, you want to be hosting supers. You want that place to be rocking. And again, let's just hope if that happens, Dustin, you don't draw an Arkansas or somebody that's kind of like you that can beat you with their bats. That that series last year was an absolute marathon. So I I love your breakdown there. Um, Not exactly sure how. Oklahoma State, I mean, West Virginia is not getting swept by Texas. I agree with you. That's a long shot. But maybe you can go get a conference championship or conference tournament championship uh, in Arlington next week. And finishing in second in the conference behind number six ranked West Virginia, I don't think is a uh, anything to scoff at. They're I, having – they're having a, uh, might be the best player in the, in the nation. Yeah, they're having an otherworldly type of year. I don't think anybody expected this out of them. So No. A couple notes before we talk a little about OU. Miola, third baseman, he is taking live batting practice for the first time since his injury. He got in this weekend, but only to play in the field. He did not hit. So we'll see kind of how that goes. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him exactly. Maybe DH, maybe even have him play right field if McLean starts to pitch more because you're not going to take Tyler Wolford out of the lineup. He's leading the team in batting right now. And he's playing a pretty good third base. Uh, Along with that note, uh, Chase Atkinson, co-Big 12 player of the week with the guy we just talked about, J.J. Weatherholt from West Virginia. And then Nolan Schubert, again, Big 12 newcomer of the week. Cade, I think he's going to win Big 12 Newcomer of the Year. I I don't really know if there's going to be much question on that. He's won Newcomer of the Week twice. He had three home runs and 10 RBIs in one game recently. He's kind of peaking. He he peaked early, kind of had a little low, worked with Robert Ventura we talked about last week, and now he's peaking again. I I don't see how there's any way he doesn't win that award in the Big 12. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. It seems like there's not even a whole lot of competition. Yeah, completely. Uh, okay, OU not ranked in, in D1 baseball's rankings. They're actually number 38 in RPI, which was a little shocking to me because I had looked up some of their stats before looking at their RPI. They're 115th in batting average, but kind of similar to K-State, who we did a great job of not walking outside of that first game. They're 37th in on-base percentage because they're 12th in taking walks. So again, we'll need to be cognizant of that this weekend the Oklahoma State pitchers as they're going up against the OU batters. 198th in home runs, 133rd in ERA, 137 in whip, 204 in strikeout to walk ratio, and 142nd fielding percentage. Those are not the stats you normally see from a team ranked 38th in RPI. Some guys to watch at the plate for them, Kendall Pettis, Anthony McKenzie, Rocco Garza-Gongora, Bryce Madrin, Easton Carmichael, all batting above 300. Bryce Madron is the uh, power hitter for them. He leads the team in home runs, which no one on the team, no one on OU's team really has a ton of home runs. Pitching, Carter Campbell out of the bullpen, bullpen and Will Karsten are both really good. The starters haven't been great. I think you'll see Braxton Duthin on Friday, Braden Carmichael on Saturday, and James Hit on Sunday. OU was supposed to play tonight against UT Arlington. And they canceled it, Cade. And I think it's because they're a little bit scared about this weekend. They're coming off a two-to-one series loss against West Virginia. Uh, The fact that they canceled that game shocked me because the weather looks like it's going to be fine to play baseball. So (laughs) the thing that doesn't shock me is OU being a little scared. But, you know, I don't know. Right, right. Right. The way things went at O'Brate for them earlier this year, I wouldn't blame them. 
Yeah. So, Kate, I I think they can go into Norman and sweep this series, but I think just because it's college baseball, it's chaos. I watched on Mother's Day LSU lose to Mississippi State, the number two ranked team in the nation, which ruined my dad's Mother's Day. But uh, anything can happen. Oklahoma State starting pitching hasn't been great. I think they win two, lose one this weekend in Norman. I think it's always a safe bet, right? I mean, I, I think this is a series you should win. You're probably the better team, but it's tough to sweep these rivalry series. But again, I think Oklahoma State's bats are so hot. It wouldn't surprise me to see that. Yeah. Hey, moving to softball, I'd say we skip the KU recap. That was a crazy game. They played half of it on one day and then had to finish it. So they played half of it Thursday night. Finished it Friday morning. Oklahoma State was down 3-1. Then they took the lead on Friday, only to have a chaotic four-error inning that led to a loss for them. I think that's good enough analysis there. And I'm not saying my analysis is good, but I just don't really want to talk about it anymore. Cade, what I wanted to ask you about is you were right. Even losing to Kansas, they still get a top eight seed. Oklahoma State is the number six national seed. So they will host a regional, and if they make it there, they will host the super regional as well in Stillwater. I mean, I it's it is in my opinion fair, and I thought that they would give Oklahoma State the benefit of the doubt because of their entire body of work. Oklahoma State has some big questions to answer. I mean, there there is a chance that if they play the way they played against Kansas, that they don't make it out of their own regional. But there's a chance that if they let's say the way they played in Game Two against Oklahoma, minus the end of that game there's a chance that they make it all the way back to Oklahoma City. So I don't even really know what to expect out of this team right now, Dustin. But here's what I do know. You get them in a must-win series, I think they're going to bring their A game, and I I think they're going to have a really good postseason, and I think they're going to get back to Oklahoma City. I can't think of a team that wants to play them right now, and especially in their own stadium now. So they're hosting Supers if they get there. Yeah, and Kate, just kind of going back to me saying you were right about that. When you really go look at the RPI, it's not even. I think that was a that was a great call for by you because not just Oklahoma State being fifth in RPI, OU's one, Texas is ten, Baylor's eighteen. So all those teams are in the Big Twelve. They're all in the top eighteen in RPI. Florida State, number three in RPI. Oklahoma State won the series against them. I think they have 10 total RPI, top 25 RPI wins on the season. And they didn't, they had multiple other chances because OU and Texas are both in there. So I, I think overall, with that 11th hardest strength of schedule, with what they did against Florida State, with what they did against ranked teams early in the season, it, it was going to be tough to lead them out of the top eight. So I think it's deserved. I think it's awesome that they got it. They also got multiple players on the Big 12 um, softball yearly honors. Rachel Becker and Kelly Maxwell were both first-teamers. Factor, Carlisle, and Kilfoyle were second-team. And then Acock and Wark were named to the all-freshman team. So that was pretty awesome. Gabe, one thing I wanted to throw out at you, I heard Kenny Gajewski say this. Their first 42 games, they made 20 errors, and the pitchers gave up 1.8 walks per game. In the last 13 games... They've had 20 errors. So what mm. they had in the first 42 and they're giving up 3.2 walks per game. Yeah. And it feels that way, right? Like watching yeah. them, it feels like something is just totally different with them. And the bats have kind of turned back on. 
you know, they got seven runs against Kansas. So if the pitchers can short things up, if Kelly Maxwell can short things up, they play UNBC, who you might remember from the men's college basketball yeah, tournament absolutely. a couple of years ago. They'll play them. And then they also have Wichita State in Nebraska in their bracket. Wichita State, we know, has beat Oklahoma State twice this year. So not I, you expected that that was probably going to happen. Wichita State. So just kind of, Kate, I'll just run through the teams real quick. Yeah. And then we can we can just kind of talk about our predictions. Wichita State, they're, number, they're actually ranked number 18 in D1 softball. And they're number 22 in RPI. So they're going to be one of the best two seeds in the entire tournament. Number four in batting average, 13 in on-base percentage, 34 in ERA, and third in fielding percentage. They beat Nebraska twice this year already, who's also in this regional. They beat KU and lost to OU, or KU. They beat OSU twice, like I said. Sydney McKinney had five hits in the two games against OSU. She's someone to watch the plate along with Lauren Lucas and Addison Barnard. Barnard and then Zoe Jones are their home run hitters. Oklahoma State has seen, I believe they've seen, yes, they have seen all three pitchers that Wichita State used for at least two innings or more. That's Alex Aguilar, Lauren Howell, and Allison Cooper. I'm thinking they're going to see Alex Aguilar. That's who they saw last time, and she pitched well against them. Nebraska, not ranked in D1 softball, but they're actually number 41 in RPI. Their strength is at the plate. They're number 30 in batting average, whereas on the other side, they're number 146 in the RA. They played OSU twice this year. They lost in a run rule, and they lost 3-1, to one, but that was in February. They've played some good teams, but they've lost to pretty much all of them. UCLA, Virginia Tech, Arkansas. They lost to Wichita State twice, which I mentioned. They lost to KU. They did beat Iowa State, who Oklahoma State also played, and they beat Arizona. They've got several... Players at the plate, Caitlin Canada, Billy Andrews, Brooke Andrews, Caitlin Neal. She had two hits against OSU in that in their series or in their two games they played. Courtney Wallace is their ace. Sarah Harness is the second. They don't really throw anybody else. Those two have combined for 90% of the innings pitched. Acock and Kilfoyle pitched really well in both games. I think they could handle this Nebraska team if they were to play them. And then UMBC, the team that Oklahoma State plays first. They're not ranked in D1 softball. They're number 141 in RPI. They make everything work with their pitching. They're 113th in batting average and 150 in on base, but they're number 33 in ERA. They won the America East. They don't have very many common opponents with Oklahoma State. Their strength of schedule was number 236. So they haven't played a lot of good teams. They don't hit a lot of home runs, but Kyra Matter and Courtney Coppersmith on the mound are really good. They pretty much throw all the innings. I don't think Oklahoma State will struggle too much against them because with their pitching kind of being down right now and UMBC not being a great hitting team, I think they should win that game easily. But, Kate, are you worried about Wichita State? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be, right? I mean, that's a team that's handled you twice in two shots. And I think more so than just the individual talent, I I think Oklahoma State's the more talented team. I'm concerned about any sort of, uh, you know, unconscious oh crap factor of playing a team that's beaten you twice. Again, they've beaten you on your home field, too. I think Oklahoma State's built for that moment. But at the same time, uh, these are humans with emotions. And and I, I get concerned about Oklahoma State looking across and seeing Wichita State again. And do any of those demons pop up? I, I, I don't think they will, but I think they could. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they're going to get out of the. I think they're going to get out of the regional, and then they'd most likely match up with Arkansas right. in the super. 
And then if they get past that, obviously they'll be in the Women's College World Series. I still think they can do it, Kate. They just showed so much at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I know the pitching's not clicking on all cylinders, but I know this team is really, really good. I still think they have a chance to make it to the Women's College World Series. Wichita State's a tough draw, but it was a likely draw. I think everybody thought that that was going to happen with their proximity, the Wichita State and Stillwater. So it's going to be tough, but I think they can get out of it. I think they will too. And I think if if you can get past Wichita State, I think that I think that sets up for you. I mean, if you would have said at the beginning of the year that this team needs to get through Wichita State, Nebraska, and likely Arkansas and Oregon to get to the College World Series, you would have taken that, right? I would yes, still say definitely, it. definitely. Yeah. I still think no. it's a good road. Well, cool, Kate. That's all we have. A quick roundup. There's not a ton of sports going on. We're nearing the end of the year. I know Oklahoma State graduation was this past weekend. So men's golf, they're in the Las Vegas Regional. Play in the second round looks like it was delayed due to lightning. I have the golf stat up right now. They're currently in sixth. They're three strokes back of the fourth place teams. The top, there's two teams tied for fourth at 27 under Oklahoma state's 24 under they're pretty far back from the leader Stanford. Who's minus 40 on the tournament so far, the top five advance Oklahoma state's in a pretty good spot. I think after one round and little more than a half. So we'll kind of see how that ends up the women. They return to action on May 19th at the NCAA championships at Greyhawk golf club in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then Kate, one note on the pro tour, Austin Eck wrote, Came in second at yeah. Brian Nelson this past weekend. He took home a cool 845.5K. He's only 24, and kid, that's his second top five finish of the year. Some good stuff going He's on killing for right He's now. killing yeah. it right now. Who would have thought, too? I mean, maybe somebody who, who really follows golf, but Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, and Austin Eckroat. I would have thought Eckroat would have been, you know, easily the number three guy on that rung. He's not. He's number two as a pro. <laughs> No, definitely no. It's a great call out. And the last note track, they finished sixth overall at the Big 12 tournament this week, and they'll be back at the NCAA West prelims in Sacramento, California. Those start on May 24th, so won't have any updates on track until then. And Cade, if you don't have anything else, I think we can get to Twitter questions. Let's do it. I do not have anything else. Awesome. Our first one, Irrational OK State fan at Jakers underscore W. What's wrong with softball lately, Cade? Well, we talked about it. The walks and the errors are killing them right now. Yeah, the, the fact that the 20 errors in the last 13 games and the pitchers just giving up walks and giving up just timely hit. Oklahoma State was looking for timely hits at the plate. Kenny Gajewski talked about that. They've started to get them again, but now they're giving up these timely hits on the other side of it. Right. And it's just, it's like, they clean one thing up and something else kind of starts going wrong. So hopefully, Cade, who would you start against UMBC? Would you start Maxwell or would you save her? I'm thinking, answering my own question, which I know you love, I'm thinking maybe you start Maxwell to try to just get her confidence up because it's a good point. I think Kilfoyle or Acock could go in the second game. That's a really good point. You probably, I mean, Kelly Maxwell is your ticket to Oklahoma City. If she's who she needs to be, I think you feel good about it. But if not, you're probably not getting there. So I really like where you're at, Dustin. A little bit of reverse psychology. My thought was get her going against likely Wichita State. Uh, but I like where you're headed. That's that's a better option. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I'm thinking he'll probably go with a Kilpoil or Acock against UMBC. Kenny Gajewski, that is. So we'll see how that ends up. Uh, next question from Joshua Hawkins at J7 Hawkins. He says, if you could buy stock in the future earnings of any athlete on the OSU campus, 23 spring Whoa. athletes and 23 fall winter, who would you pick to leave in lifetime earnings in sports? Whoa. That is a great question. I think I might go, what, Kendall Daniels? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be a like, second-round NFL draft pick, probably. And, and I think that would be the, the easy, you know, but then you've got, you've got a Nolan McClain. You've got, if we know, you know, we've heard Rob Walton talk about Juwan Watts-Brown's stuff, like it's some of the best stuff he's ever seen, and we know the pitchers he's worked with. If he's a guy that cleans it up, Maybe he's someone that can have a long MLB career. So you got you got to think baseball too, because you know the dollar figures are big there. But man, it's hard for me to go away from Kendall Daniel. I think that's a great pick. I mean, it, I would go Kendall Daniels, or just to maybe be a little bit contrarian and give you somebody else on maybe a, a different player. I'm still going to go football. We're talking career earnings here. I might go with a Colin Oliver. I mean, I think he's going to get drafted and I think he's going to play for a while in the NFL. I just don't know at what position Um, or to give you somebody on the offensive side of the football. I think Jaden Bray is going to have a monster year. And I think he's going to remind all of us why we've been talking about him. So I may throw him in as maybe a dark horse because you don't on hundred percent. Like I think Kendall Daniels, that's a hundred percent. The answer Jaden Bray, if he's healthy and can play a full year, I think he would be on that list. Yeah, no, I, I love it. That was an awesome question, Joshua. Appreciate really good. That. Yeah. And our last one and, and sorry, we're recording a little bit earlier than we normally do. We probably are going to get more as the day. I mean, not to sound like confident that we always get a ton oh, of questions, but some will probably worse. trickle in and apologies if we don't answer them. We're recording a little bit earlier than normal. MB poke at Mark Bewley one says, if you could go to one away football game this year, which would it be? And why Kate, I can answer first. Cause I know I am going to one unless yeah. something happens with my schedule. I'll be going to the Arizona state game. Why? Because Scottsdale, that Tempe, Phoenix area is a lot of fun. Sure, it'll be a big party. I've never been to a game at Arizona State. I like going to – I love going to the Big 12 teams, but I've been to a lot of those cities. And so it's always fun to go to a bigger Power 5 non-conference school. Even though Arizona State hasn't been good at football recently, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So there's my answer and reason. Yeah, very nice. I actually have been to a game at Arizona State's football stadium, but it was not an Oklahoma State football game. It was like the 2012 Insight Bowl. We were out there for the Fiesta Bowl, and uh, it was OU and Iowa. So we went out there and watched a little bit of that game. So I have been there. It's a good stadium. That was going to be my answer, too. But only because, I mean, and Dustin, I mean this with all due respect. I'm not a Houston guy, and I'm not an Orlando guy. So I know you're a former Houston native. I have scar tissue with that city. So I maybe another time after, you know, some counseling sessions to get over that getting stranded <laughs> before the era of Uber, that would work. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. There's that. Those are really kind of the three marquee road games this year. Right. I mean, Iowa state, I don't really want to go to Ames. I, that, that place gives me the heebie jeebies. So I may take Arizona <laughs> state. That was going to be yeah. my answer. 
No, that's awesome. Thanks so much, guys, for the questions. As always, we love still getting them even in the kind of depth of the offseason that we're getting into now. Kate and I are going to start football previews coming up soon. We'll probably wait till softball and baseball end, and we'll start walking through some of the teams like we said we would. But, that, Kate, that's all I've got. Well, Dustin, shout out to you for making this work with my schedule. There, there's really <laughs> not what much of one right now, but it's just kind of all over the place. So thank you for that. Thank you for a little bit more brief episode as usual. If you're wondering why, uh, it's because I've, I've got a three-day-old at my house. So I got to go take care of that, <laughs> see what's going on, maybe brew a pot of coffee. And uh, Dustin, I appreciate you as always. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? I'm good. Just, just go Pokes. You think Cowgirls get out of uh, Stillwater Regional, get into Super? Yeah, yeah, I think they do. I think they make it to the I Women's Conference Series. Okay, I, I, I'm glad we're on the same page. Well, that does it for us. If you're not already, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FeelsLike45Pod. You can follow Dustin at DustRegu, and you can follow me at Cade Webb for more Oklahoma State and Duna Talk. We'll see you guys back here next week. Go Pokes.